You're listening to audio from The Orchard Church in Collierville, Tennessee. If you would like more information about our church or our ministries, please visit theorchardchurch.com. Well, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. We're in a series on the Lord's Prayer, and we're walking through it phrase by phrase because really it's a prayer for all of life. It's found in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, but I'm going to have us go to Exodus 16 in just a moment. And we're encouraging all of us to pray the Lord's Prayer every day during the month of July. We believe that if we do that, something is going to change in our life. We're going to find it a dangerous prayer, revolutionary prayer, life-changing prayer. So uh, let's do that this morning, shall we? Let's go ahead and stand once again, if you would, please. There's several different versions of the Lord's Prayer that people use, and we're using the one out of the English Standard Version, so let's pray this together. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's go ahead and say it. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Now we're trying to ask the question, what does Jesus have in mind when he asks us to pray this? I mean, what actually are we saying and what can we expect uh, from the Lord? Two weeks ago, we began by talking about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And what we reminded ourselves of is that Jesus, because of who he is and what he did, has given us the ability and the right to say, I'm a child of God, as we've been singing, and to call God our Father, our Abba, literally our our dad, someone who deeply cares for us, watches over us. So we call God our Father in heaven, and heaven is used in the Bible in three different ways. It refers to the air around us, it refers to the sky above us, and it refers to all the universe, outer space, all the planets, the stars, all the galaxies. So when we pray our Father in heaven, we're saying, He is as near to me as the air that fills my lungs. And He is above me, watching over me and caring for me. And He is the almighty ruler of all creation, the creator of all things, and the one who does all that He pleases in all of the universe. So we remind ourselves he's not only close, he's strong. He's not only near me, he's all-powerful. Then we said the phrase, hallowed be your name, is a way of humbling ourselves before the Lord, and it's a way of saying you're to be worshipped, you're worthy of honor and glory and adoration. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then last week, Brian helped us to understand your kingdom come, your will be done, means we submit our wills to his will. We say, what I want is what you want. And this is what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, isn't it? When he died before he was crucified. When he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. So it's only after we acknowledge who God is and how great he is and how close and near and loving he is, and we say, I want your name to be hallowed and honored and recognized all over the world. And in my life, I want you to rule your kingdom come in my family, in my children, in my job, and I want your will to be done, not my will. I want what you want. Only then are we ready to begin to pray about our needs. And this is where the emphasis moves from your to ours. And the first thing that Jesus says that we can pray is, give us this day 
our daily bread. Now, for many years, that just flew past that because I really didn't understand that. And most of us, I think, this really doesn't grip our heart because we have more food (laughs) than we can eat, and we have food stacked in the pantry that will last us, many of us, uh, for weeks and weeks. And when we run out of food, we know where to go buy food, right? And we throw away more food than many people all over the planet are able to eat in a single day. We have jobs that we work that provide us money to buy our food, So what does it mean to pray, give us this day our daily bread? And some of us, the prayer is, Lord, help me lose weight, not use all those carbs from bread. So this is kind of lost to us. It's a phrase that really doesn't grip our heart. I was really interested to find this week there are over 300 references in the Bible to bread. And in fact, you can tell the entire story, the entire narrative of Scripture through bread. When Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden... For disobeying God, God tells them, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat. Help me out here, folks. Bread. You're going to have to help me with this. So this is not, no trick answer here, all right? Esau, in the the book of Genesis, was so short-sighted that he sold his birthright for a bowl of stew and a loaf of bread. Israel lived in Canaan, but there was a famine in the land, and they heard that in Egypt there was bread. So they moved to Egypt, and in Egypt they were enslaved for 400 years. God finally sent the 10 plagues, set them free, and on the night they were to leave, Moses said, hurry up, hurry up, we don't have time, let's get going. And there was not time to to move yeast into the so they ate unleavened bread. And when they're out in the wilderness, those 40 years wandering in the wilderness, they were hungry, so God provided them manna every morning with which they made bread. Fast forward to Jesus. He was born in the little town of Beth means house. Lehem means bread. In John 6, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. And so God arranged that the bread of life would be born in the house of bread. Jesus himself is led into the wilderness, following the example of the Israelites those 40 years where he's tempted and tested. And after 40 days of fasting, the devil came to him and said, you look really hungry. Why don't you take this stone and turn it into a loaf of bread? Jesus was often criticized by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders for eating with unsavory people like tax collectors and prostitutes. And they said, he's even breaking bread with them. In his ministry, at least twice, Jesus became aware that people who had been with him all day long, listening to him teaching, were hungry. They were going faint. So he turned to the disciples and he said, there's 5,000 here. On another occasion, there's 7,000 here. What do you have? What kind of food do you have? And they said, well, we have these little fish and we have a few loaves of bread. So he took it and divided it out and fed thousands and thousands of people. The only miracle mentioned in Mark, Luke, and John, all four Gospels, has to do with bread. You getting tired? The last night of his life, Jesus sits at the table with his disciples. He takes, gives thanks, said, this is my body broken for you. This is the cup that represents the blood of the new covenant. Every time you eat this and drink this cup, remember me. And there are many Bible students who believe this is not 
just something that we do once in a while in our church. We do it once a month. We take the Lord's Supper. We take communion. But what Jesus was saying is every single time you eat a meal and break, remember him. Remember him. After he rises from the dead, he appears to two followers on the road to Emmaus, this little village. And they're talking about things that have happened. He's interpreting the scripture for them, but they don't know who he is. They don't recognize him until they sit down to eat. They invite him to join them. He's being hidden who he is, his identity being hidden from them. They sit down, and when Jesus took and gave thanks and broke it, instantly their eyes were open and they recognized who he was. So, all through Scripture, you can almost tell the story of the narrative of the Bible with bread. So bread was something extremely important all through Scripture. So when Jesus says, when you pray, pray, give us this day our daily bread, what is he saying? What was in their minds and what should be in our minds? And I think one way to get to this is to just take the phrase apart. What did he mean by give us? What did he mean this day? And what did he mean by daily bread. So let's just take the phrases apart for just a moment and think about it. When Jesus said, give us, I think the minds of all those people who were listening to him in the first place went back in their history, they're Jewish, they're going back to their Jewish roots, to the time when God provided bread for them in a place where it was an absolute miracle. And that takes us to Exodus chapter 16. So you have your Bible open. God has delivered them from Egypt. They're out in the wilderness. Exodus 16, verse 2 will begin. They've been protected through all the ten plagues. They've seen God drown the Egyptians in the Red Sea, water on both sides be destroyed. And after experiencing God's deliverance, you would think they would be willing to trust him anywhere. But they're just like us. And that was not the case. Exodus 16, 2. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, where we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people, at evening, you'll know it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he's heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us. So verse 13, in the evening, quail came up, covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost. You didn't realize frosted flakes were in the Bible, did you? Frost on the ground. And when the people saw it, they said to one another, what is it? Now, later on, they're going to call it manna, which literally means it is what it is, or it means what is it. So they named it with the very question that they asked. They didn't, all they knew was they didn't have food before. Now they have food, and they're not sure exactly what it is, which reminds me of being in 
junior high and going to the cafeteria and wondering, what is this mystery meat? It is what it is. So they called it manna, verse 15. People of Israel saw it. They said, what is it? They did not know what it was. And so Moses said to them, it's the bread that God has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. And you shall, take, you shall each take an omer, which is about a quart, according to the, about two quarts actually, according to the measure, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. So the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it till the morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Now, this is a court. This is about a quart. And they gathered, each of them gathered about two quarts to eat that day, each one of them. I did a little math here. Two quarts over 40 years each day times 365 days is 14,600 days. Let's say there are two and a half million people who are there. God has to feed them. Five million quarts a day on the ground. That is 73 billion quarts over 40 years to feed the Israelites. God took care of them. God provided for them. And all they had was manna and, and quail. And you can imagine they got pretty creative with manna. Maybe they made manna bread, manna burgers. Boiled manna, fried manna, manna shaped like stone tablets, maybe manna shaped like chicken, banana splits. <laughs> You're going to take that to work with you tomorrow. <laughs> so when Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, their minds went back to their history, what they had seen the Lord do, his abundant provision for his people, his care for his people. Now at that time, the Jewish people ate two meals a day. They ate breakfast and they ate dinner. They didn't have a lunch. And so when the men and the boys would go off to work, moms usually stayed at home, took care of things. When they went off to work, they took their breakfast with them, a piece of flat bread, and maybe they put a little bit of cheese or some dried olives or dried fruit in the flat bread. That was their breakfast uh, that day. And many people were just living day to day. They were working day to day, looking for some work to produce some money for, on a daily basis. So when they prayed... Give us this day our daily bread. They are literally talking about what they had to have that day to exist. They were dependent upon God for just that. And in some versions of the Bible actually call bread the staff of life. The staff of life. I did a little study, and that word staff literally means a walking stick. So when you can't move, and you've got to move forward... This helps you to do it. You literally can't walk forward without a walking stick. So when Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, he is talking about what you have to do to get through the day. What you have to have for your very existence. For that reason, five different times, at least in the King James Version, it's called 
the staff of life. And I think they would have understood, understood Jesus to be saying, pray for everything that you need to exist. Time, money, clothing, transportation, physical healing, every physical need. So let me give you a word to keep in mind when you pray, give us this day our daily bread. The word is dependency. Dependent. It means I am trusting God for what I need today to get through the day. I don't know how he's going to provide it. Somehow, some way, he's going to meet my need, and I'm trusting him for that today. It's saying God is my source. My job's not my source. My, uh, my investments are not my source. God is my source. It all comes from him. And you might remember Philippians 4.19 that says, God, my God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Don't know how he's going to do it. Somehow, somehow he's going to provide for all my needs. Now, this is really hard to remember when life is difficult. It's hard to trust the Lord when life is uncertain. And for many of us, to be honest, rather than trusting our Lord, we take another strategy, which is called worry. And many of us are world-class warriors. And what's so interesting to me is that immediately after giving the Lord's Prayer, Jesus turned to his followers and he said this, Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life? So do not worry, he says, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's real interesting. Before we pray for daily bread, we pray for his kingdom, which means Jesus promises God meets the needs of people who seek his kingdom first, his will first. He promises to provide for the needs of his children. Now, I'm not responsible for meeting the needs of all the kids in my neighborhood, but I'm responsible for meeting the needs of my own kids. And in the same way, God doesn't pledge himself to meet the needs of everybody on the planet. He's good and he's gracious, and many times he does. But he promises for those who seek his kingdom first to meet their needs. And then he goes on with that last verse and says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Do you know what worry is? Worry is taking responsibility for something God never intended you to be responsible for. It is taking on a responsibility God never meant for you to have. And Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. And you say, well, Sam, does that mean we don't plan or prepare for tomorrow? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means we don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah, the Bible says it's wise to prepare. It's wise to save. It's wise to get ready for what's coming. But you don't worry about it because your heavenly father, worry is an attempt to control the future. And he just says, instead, ask your heavenly father for daily bread. Now, how does God give daily bread? 
How does God meet our needs? I mean, I've met people who are disillusioned with prayer and they're cynical about prayer because of an expectation they have that when they pray that God is instantly going to meet their need. Many times he does. But when you pray for daily bread, does that mean you sit down at the table and zap there's food in front of you? It doesn't mean that at all. How does God provide daily? How do you how do you get your food? How does God provide for us daily bread? We are the first generation in history not to understand that. Because we just go down to the store and buy it. So next time you're in a restaurant, or next time you're sitting down in a meal with someone and you've got a little bit of time, ask yourself this question. Just have a little conversation. You might do this at lunch today. How many hands had to touch this food before I got it? What had to happen for this food to get before me? We're the first generation that really doesn't think about this, about the farmers who buy the seed or save the seed and till the soil and plant the seed and cultivate it and water it and pray for rain and pray for good weather, and then they harvest it, and it goes on trucks to go to the mill, and at the mill ground and it's, it's milled and then it's taken by trucks or by train, maybe to a bakery, maybe to a, a restaurant somewhere. And there at a bakery, a, a baker cooks it, bakes it, a chef works with it, and then a waiter or a waitress brings it out to your plate and sets it before you. Or if it's at home, someone has prepared that meal and put it before you, or you prepared your own meal. How many hands have to touch the food before you get it. Point is this, many times God answers the prayer for our daily needs by using other people. Someone else is the answer to your prayers. And this is how God often works in life. When he created us, he created us with three purposes in mind. To love us because God is overflowing with love. He created us to be loved. He created us to reciprocate his love and worship and praise and adoration and obedience. And he created us to do his will to bless others. So someone was the answer to your prayers. Lord, meet my needs. Provide my daily bread. God tends to answer prayers through people, working through people, which means... Tomorrow at work, if someone is lonely or down and frustrated and you sit down and you're kind enough to listen to them and care for them, you're answering a prayer that they had. Or you're on the way home and someone has a flat and you stop and they don't know how to change a flat and you get out and you change the flat. You're the answer to their prayers. We represent God and we are the answers to people's prayers, which is why someone like Buck Ray over here heads over on Wednesday and meets with the homeless, and has a group of people, and you're welcome to work with him. Is that right, Buck? Love to have, raise your hand so we know where you are. On Wednesday, and people are fed every Wednesday night. And usually it's a very simple meal. And they are very grateful for it because it is literally daily bread for them, which is why we feed 80 children in the Ross area. Now we're this summer we're feeding about 20 children in the Collierville area who would not be able to eat otherwise because we ourselves are the answer to someone's prayer. Lord, would you please give me this day my daily bread? This is how God answers prayer. He does it through people. And you 
are meant to be the answer to someone's prayers. It's not enough just to say, I'm going to get enough just to survive myself to get through the day. No, no, no. God has meant for, and God has so richly blessed so many of us with so much because he intends for us to share it. It's not for us alone. So when I pray, Lord, give me this day my daily bread, I'm not only talking dependency, I'm talking compassion. Make me an instrument of someone's prayers being answered. And occasionally I've heard people say, well, you believe there's a good and loving and all-powerful God. How do you explain the fact that 20 to 30,000 people die every day on this planet of malnutrition-related diseases? How do you explain that? Here's my answer. Is there enough food on this planet to feed everybody? Yes. Yes, there is. God is in the production business. We're in the distribution business. God made us his hands and his feet to be the answer to someone's prayer. So how does he provide daily bread? He gives us jobs. He gives us a market that is working. He gives it through other people. So dependence, compassion, this day, give us this day, just enough for today. And boy, that is a challenge because we want more than just enough for today. We want enough for tomorrow and the next day and next week. And we all know that's true because we think I have a good job, I have a wife, I have kids, I have a husband, I have a car, I have retirement, I don't need God. And we don't say it like that, but that is the way that we live. It's really interesting, when God provided the manna for the Israelites, he told them, only pick up enough to last today. And some of them just blew that away and began to pick up enough manna for tomorrow. And what happened to it? Worms ate it. It rotted. And God is saying, do you not get it? Don't you get it? You can trust me each day. You don't have to worry that my love is going to grow stale or dry up or I'm not going to be able to provide for you tomorrow. Trust me today for what you need. I'll be there tomorrow with enough provision for tomorrow. In fact, Proverbs 30 puts it this way. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Lord, or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, I'm praying, depending on God, I'm trusting him as my source. I'm, I'm aware that compassion is a part of it, and he gives me enough to, not only for myself, but to share in contentment with what I have. I'm content and I'm grateful for what I have. What about this last phrase, daily bread? Bread is the word bread. And that word daily is a word that you don't find anywhere else in the Greek language. You find it anywhere else in all of the Bible. And you don't find it in any ancient Greek literature. And there's some people who believe this was made up. The writers of Scripture actually made up this word. It's the word epiousion. Everyone say epiousion. It kind of rolls off your tongue, doesn't it? Epiousion. Epi means on, over, above. Usion was such an important word that those 
that the early church, trying to understand the relationship of Jesus to God, said that Jesus and God are of one ep- of one usion, one substance, one essence. So when you pray, Lord, give me this day my daily bread, my daily bread, you are praying, Lord, give me the essence of what I need today. Give me what is needed to sustain me today, the substance that is needed uh, for today. That is what I'm praying. I guess the reason this never clicked with me is not only you have plenty to eat, but we have needs that are above daily food needs, don't we? Some of you are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and once you've had your basic needs provided, then there are other needs that you have, soul needs, spirit needs, like unconditional love and, and grace and, and a purpose in life. I think this is what uh, this, I think this is what Jesus had in mind when the devil came to him and said, if you're the son of God, make these stones into bread. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. It's not enough just to have your belly full. You live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he said, I am the bread of life. He says to the multitude, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's saying, I can do for you spiritually what bread can do physically. I read an interview by Tom Brady. A lot of people hate Tom Brady. Some people love him. Before he was 30, won three Super Bowls. He's one to five now. In the interview, he asked, or he said this, why do I have, at that time he was 30, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I've done it, and what else is there for me? And so the interviewer asked the question, well, then what is it? What's the answer? Brady said this, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I think that part of me is trying to go out and experience other things. I love playing football, and I love being a quarterback for this team. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me I'm trying to find. What's he looking for? He's got five Super Bowl rings. He's got more money than he could spend in a hundred lifetimes. He's got all the women in the world. What more is he looking for? He's looking for a different kind of bread. I'm reminded of what Isaiah 55 2 says, Why do you spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Why would you do that? I was in the grocery store. You know all those magazines that are lined up at the register that preachers are not supposed to look at? You know those magazines? There's a woman's face that appears, I guess, as much as any other person on the cover of those magazines. And when I see her, I feel sorry for her because she is absolutely dead gorgeous and her life is a wreck. And she doesn't need, she doesn't need Dr. Phil to come to her. She needs something more than that. 
She needs someone to sit down beside her and say, you know, there was someone who loved you before you were pretty. And when you're not pretty anymore, there's someone who will still love you. And there's a purpose in your life greater than movies and directing and having a ton of admirers. There is something deeper for you. And when we pray, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. We're not only praying for food for my stomach. We're not only praying for a, enough bread for myself and my family. We're praying for something much, much deeper. And here's what I see when I look out at you. I see some of you malnourished because you eat one time a week. And you try to live off one meal a week. You're here. So glad you're here. Grateful you're here. Glad you're a part of our church. But it's one time a week. And then the rest of the week, you fill your mind and your life with just junk. Jesus said, I'm really the only one who can deeply satisfy. And there are needs you have that can be met by no one else. And you don't live by just bread alone. So what do you mean? Well, Jesus said, you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So to eat during the week, spiritually, means when you get up in the morning, you say, Lord, good morning. Thank you for loving me. Help me to love you today and serve you. And you get a Bible and you begin to, you read it a little bit or you read a lot of it and you take a note and you say, Lord, this is what I hear you saying to me today and I want to obey what you're saying. And you go through your day and you look for someone that you might be able to serve and listen to and care, someone outside of yourself. And at the end of the day, before you put yourself in bed, you say, Lord, I failed in so many ways today, but thank you for your forgiveness. And I pray for sweet sleep tonight for myself and my family, and we're going to trust you tomorrow for what we need, just like you provided today to get me through the day. I'm going to trust you for tomorrow. And you're feeding yourself. You take responsibility for feeding yourself and not just one meal at a time. Let me finish up. You know what heaven smells like? Smells like banana nut bread. That is so good. That is, forget the donuts. This, this is so good. Can't you just taste it? <laughs> and Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And for you to pray, Lord, give me Thank you. For us to pray, give me this day our daily bread. I'm acknowledging I'm dependent upon the Lord. I'm acknowledging He desires me to me, for me to be compassionate. I'm to be contented with what I have at this time, and I'm to be grateful for that. And my guess is there are needs in this room that can only be met by Jesus right now. So I want us to pray the prayer he taught us to pray. And I'm going to ask you to do this. If you would, just kind of set yourself toward the edge of your seat. Just go ahead and move kind of toward the end of your seat. And put your hands out in front of you like you're going to receive a gift. Just go ahead and put your hands out. You're going to receive, somebody's going to put bread into your hands. 
And would you pray, understanding a little bit perhaps better what it means, would you pray, Lord, here are my needs. Here's what I need. It may be financial. It may be health-wise. It may be a relationship. It might be healing in your body. Here are my needs. Would you give me today what I need? emotionally, physically, wisdom-wise to sustain me. Go ahead and pray that. And I'm going to ask that we all say together those words Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Would you say that with your hands out in front of you? Just join me in saying it. Give us this day our daily bread. Give it, say it again. Give us this day our daily bread. And Lord, you've told us it glorifies you when we acknowledge that we can trust you. We can be content with just what we have right now, little or, lot or much. And that you mean us to be compassionate people and grateful. Lord, I pray for any person in this room who has yet to find you as Heavenly Father, who has yet to receive Jesus and find eternal life in Him and find a purpose in their life greater than anything they've known. Open our eyes. Grant amazing grace. Help someone in this room to trust you right now for eternal life as well as this life. Lord, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.